coming up today on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Here's the thing. You can either destroy relationships because you don't know how to deal with it, or you can learn to manage it and deal with it, and you can actually grow your intimacy in a relationship. So it's not whether or not you have conflict in a relationship. The important point is, how do you deal with that conflict? The Dr. Linda Mental Show is next. And welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the relationship doctor. And I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Weigel. And every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're so glad that you've joined us. Look, Dr. Linda, I have some things. Um, do you think we could do this some other time? I, I, I need to go. This is, we have to record the show. We have our show this weekend. We can't just put it off to another time. Hey, hey, hey. Oh. Please. I mean, I said I need to do it later, but... Wow. Did you get up on the wrong side of the bed this morning or something? Seriously, we we cannot push this off to another time. Okay, I'm joking. Just <laughs> just joking. I do this to you all the time at the you beginning do, of the show. You do. You get me going, and I think, what is wrong with Chris? He has a serious problem I have to deal with That's right. <laughs> before we start the show. Well, today, I'm making the point to say how easy it is to create conflict. Well, you did that very well. Maybe we do need to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, th- this week, we're talking about relationship conflict, specifically focusing on your book, Dr. Linda, we need to talk. You got to say that with a New York accent. We need, we need to, to talk. We need to talk about it. We need it. to talk. Yeah. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> We've had listeners who have asked us to do a show on conflict because there have been so many issues raised this past year that have caused conflict in our culture and between each other. That's really true. We seem to be more divided than ever, and this impacts families and our intimate relationships. Yeah, I have friends whose families won't even talk to them because of the past election year, and the conflict was so bad, and it was so difficult, and everybody had such big differences. And, you know, it's very sad, Chris, to think that families have been torn apart by election differences that they mm-hmm. can't seem to work <laughs> out. Let me ask you, Chris, what do you think when you hear the words, we need to talk? Those four words, what do you think? Oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> what did I do? Uh, this is going to be uncomfortable. Does anyone, I mean, honestly, really have a positive response to those four words? Or does someone ever say, hey, I'm glad you want to talk about this? <laughs> well, I would hope so, but I think rarely. I think you're right. Those <laughs> words usually raise anxiety in people. And, you know, we're just uncomfortable because it does sound like, uh-oh, we're going to have a conflict yeah. and we're going to have to deal with something. And it's not pleasant. And we don't want to talk. Yet, I want to make the point that conflict is really normal. It's a part of every single relationship. Well, there is actually a website called I Hate Conflict. Seriously? (laughs) Yes. And it's where people post comments about conflict. And here's some of what they said. Okay. I avoid conflict as much as possible because I like making peace. I think that's going to be a common one for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. I have always been shy of conflict. Unfortunately, that means a lot of times I get walked over. I've been trying to find the confidence to stand up for myself. I like that. We'll Mm -hmm. talk about that. In my family, I'm the mediator, expected to step in and calm the conflict. It's wearing me thin. The fact that everyone's favorite pastime seems to be arguing and fighting. 
No, there's a consequence mm-hmm. of that. When the person has to be the peacemaker, it's exhausting. Right. Yeah. This person says, I hate conflict. <laughs> How do they really feel about it? <laughs> when I was young, it used to make me physically ill. And then our last person just basically says, I don't like drama. Yeah, I think those are very common sentiments that people have. But here's the thing. You know, conflict isn't going away. Mm-hmm. And you can either destroy relationships because you don't know how to deal with it, or you can learn to manage it and deal with it, and you can actually grow your intimacy in a relationship. So it's not whether or not you have conflict in a relationship. The important point is, how do you deal with that conflict? So it's not if, but when. And how you deal with it is really what counts. So why is it so difficult then to talk about problems? Do men and women approach conflict differently? Actually, there are some gender differences here, and and it may be why we do have a little bit more difficulty in intimate relationships. You know, for women, talking about feelings is really soothing, but it makes a lot of men just actually physically uncomfortable. And what happens with men when conflict is brought up, their bodies flood with the stress hormone cortisol. There's more blood flow to muscles. They get edgy. And then women think, oh, they're not listening to me. So their body language says, I'm not listening. Physical response is really what's happening. And there's some information that will be really helpful here that's based on the research of John Gottman, who was a very well-known marital therapist. Chris, he looked at the physiological arousal, just how aroused people got during conflict. And he really saw a difference between men and women. So what happens is men tend to remain vigilant before and during a conflict and they rehearse what's called distress-maintaining thoughts. So their heads are thinking, oh, oh, during this time. (laughs) And then women tend to use self-soothing. They actually rehearse what's called relationship-enhancing thoughts. So they're thinking, this is helpful. This is going to be better. Now, it doesn't mean that men are, are worse at conflict than women are, only that women process it pretty quickly, think it's pretty positive, and they a lot of times have to wait for men to get less physically aroused. A lot of times men don't want to process conflict as quickly as women, although, I mean, that can it's not always the case. Some women are equally aroused when they get in conflict. Uh, the point of this is that problems are best solved when both parties can just calm themselves down mm-hmm. physically. So that's the goal in dealing with conflict is knowing how to calm yourself down and better think and act. Exactly. Uh, The first step is to recognize how aroused am I? How upset am I? And Gottman's research actually shows, he actually measured heart rate during conflict. I've actually done this in the therapy room. There's this little instrument that you can put on the finger that measures your heart rate. It's called a pulsometer. Mm -hmm. And if that heart rate goes above 95 beats per minute, you're too aroused. You need a timeout. You got to calm your physical body because you're not going to listen. You're not going to hear. You're not. You're just going to be emotionally overloaded. Hmm. And usually about a 20-minute break works. And then you kind of calm yourself down during that time, which means that you're not thinking about how much you can't stand the person you just had a fight with. <laughs> um, and you have to calm yourself down, and then you can go back to the issue. Well, how many couples then would actually take the time to, to do this? Because it sounds like it could really help manage conflict which, of course, is our goal. Don't you think that most people would just rather avoid the conflict altogether and, and not work at it? Well, if you know, if we go by the website comments that we read, and uh, we know that most people would say, yeah, I'd rather avoid it. But here's the problem with that thinking. You feel immediately a little bit better when you ignore conflict. But the problem is it comes back with a vengeance, and it actually comes back in your physical body days later. So it initially reduces stress, but then you don't feel better, and then the tension starts to grow. 
And then you have these physical symptoms that you're experiencing. So the other thing to think about is when you're not dealing with conflict, irritability simmers below the surface. And then, you know, what happens is people start to disengage with each other because they're irritated with the other person. Then they feel powerless and they begin to emotionally check out. And that is not good because we know that emotional distance in a relationship is a predictor of divorce. And I can tell you, Chris, I've seen that over and over in my practice. Conflict needs to be dealt with head on, except when there are safety concerns. Yeah, and that's really important. I'm glad you brought that up because if you believe or you know that confronting conflict will lead to abuse, you, you want to get some professional help and you want to be very careful about how you proceed. But in most cases we're talking about here, it's usually a safe thing to bring up conflict. It may be very uncomfortable to deal with it. But apart from safety issues, there are studies that tell us that people who actually deal with conflict live longer. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. So you, you, it feels uncomfortable, but it's actually helping you in the long run. And people just want to avoid that. They don't like that uncomfortable right. feeling. But it's, it's, apparently it's good for you. So besides living longer, are there any other benefits to addressing conflict rather than avoiding it? Well, when you finally do, it obviously brings some relief because you're not holding on to a fence. You're not feeling just this hurt that you're kind of keeping to yourself, and you don't have a bunch of unresolved anger and negative feelings. So, you know, one of the biggest reasons I can think to deal with conflict, Chris, is that it opens up the possibility of reconciliation, which is biblical, and it's healthy in all relationships. If you deal with a conflict, you can begin to problem solve. Like I said, you could maybe repair a broken relationship. And then you can live in peace with those around you. I think personally those are huge gains for the work that's involved in addressing conflict. Well, I would agree. No argument with me, no conflict for me on that, Dr. Linda. But we do need to take a short break. Stay with us as we learn more about how to manage conflict in healthy ways. Dr. Linda, one of our listeners asked this question. Sometimes I'm so overcome with worry and anxiety that I, I think I'm losing my mind. Seems I've tried everything from drugs to meditation. Why doesn't anything work? Well, I'm so sorry that your life seems so unmanageable and overwhelming. Too often, though, it does seem nearly impossible to live in peace and contentment because of all the craziness in our world. Did you know that God's plan for handling worry is so simple and yet so perfect that you can begin using it today? Did you know that starting right now, you can begin to cultivate a worry-free life? These aren't pie-in-the-sky promises. They're God's prescription for you to thrive and to soar past your anxiety and worries. Try this. The next time you begin to feel overwhelmed by life's pressures and worry clouds your mind with negative thoughts and depression, say what King David prayed. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Remind yourself that my heart trusts in Him and I am helped. I have so much more good news for you. I hope you'll find it in my book, Letting Go of Worry. Thanks, Dr. Linda. Now that's great advice. You can find God's plan for your peace and contentment in Dr. Linda's book, Letting Go of Worry. It's available wherever you buy your books online. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and today we are talking about Dr. Linda's book, We Need to Talk, 
specifically on how to manage conflict. And we have a lot more to talk about. But before we move on, I want to remind you to check out Dr. Linda's website, drlindamental.com. That's where you can find her blogs, her books, and you can connect with Dr. Linda on social media. And as I mentioned, the book that relates to today's topic is called We Need to Talk. And listen to today's show and share our podcast on iTunes anytime, especially the next time you want to work on conflict. And if you really need a lot of help, Chris, that book is very helpful because I'm very practical in that book in terms mm-hmm. of what you can do. There's a chapter in there on difficult people and how do you handle difficult people. So I'd really encourage people, if you like what you're hearing on the show and you're thinking, oh, I need this help, mm-hmm. get the book. Can you read that part of the book and say, hey, I'm the difficult person? You could. You could come up with that decision after you read that chapter. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to read the chapter first. But then what you do with it matters, right? right? right. Well, before we discuss the the how-tos of managing conflict, is dealing with conflict learned in your, what they call, original family? Well, think about it. Uh, What did you see in your family growing up? People talking about conflict, avoiding conflict. Was conflict out of control in your original family? Were people verbally hostile? Uh, What you saw were the role models for what you've learned, and you've learned that from your original family. Then if it's helpful to think about how your original family dealt with conflict, should uh, couples then talk about this? Absolutely. I mean, you need to share how conflict was handled in your original family in any relationship. I mean, for example, one of you may be afraid of conflict because you saw it escalate and be really scary in your own home. The other person may have had really good role models and conflict was handled in a calm and sort of negotiating type of style. So I think we're getting into that how people argue and discuss and negotiate. Uh, Let's talk about the, the styles of conflict that we should look for. Well, basically there are the voiders, so people who don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. There are volatile people who get out of control or they escalate and it's very dramatic. Uh, The worst one is hostile, when you have hostile conflict. There are people that are very competitive in their conflict Mm -hmm. styles, and and then they're the ones who are always accommodating. So if you really want to know about this, there's a really quick quiz on my website that you can take, and it will tell you your conflict style, give you an idea. Now, here's the problem. It's when you have a mismatch of those styles with another person. For example, Chris, if an avoider is with somebody who's really volatile, you can imagine that that doesn't end well. Yeah, that would be an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah, I think one, what happens is one really pursues the other person, mm. the other person moves away in distances. Right. So that isn't good. But let's say you have somebody who's kind of volatile with somebody else who's volatile. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, and they, they're okay with that because their styles match. There's a lot yeah. of drama. There's a lot of passion. They don't always get things accomplished. They don't always get to the end goal, but mm. they are okay because they're both the same. You know, in our last segment, we're going to talk about are all these styles biblical? But a mismatch is where the problem is. And there are ways to work on a more healthy style for both of you to come to the middle. So if you get two reasonable hotheads in the same room arguing over something, that can actually, it may get loud, but it may actually accomplish something. I I can tell you a story. I had these two that were just like that. They were just yelling and it's, they were yelling and screaming. They weren't being like mean in this, Mm -hmm. but they were so intense in the, in the therapy room. I literally stood up in the middle of them at one point to try to calm them down. And I wasn't able to. And, And at the end of the hour, they just stopped and they went, wow, this has been really helpful. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. But it was because they had these same styles. and They just felt good getting it out. Yeah. But nothing got solved. So really, couples maybe shouldn't confuse that with 
a negative? It depends on where you go with that passion. So mm-hmm. I think there can be some problems. And again, when we look at a biblical style, I mean, when you get really passionate and intense, sometimes words fly, things mm-hmm. are said that you shouldn't say, that becomes problematic. And these styles we're talking about were learned from childhood when we were growing up. But here's the good news. If you learned it growing up and you saw it as a way of dealing with conflict, you can unlearn it. So you mm-hmm. can unlearn things that you don't want to continue to do. So if you contrast your style with a biblical view and you go, hey, this isn't really biblical, you can learn to do it differently. Mm-hmm. So I'm a good example of that. My family is one of those passionate and intense when it comes to conflict. And we want to talk about everything, but it's loud. It's opinionated. <laughs> Some people would say it's argumentative. Your, your husband's at the control yeah, room. He's shaking yeah. his head. Mm-hmm. But And I married a man. So speaking of my husband in the control room, mm-hmm. I married a man whose family was really conflict avoidant, mm-hmm. completely avoidant. They didn't want to talk about anything. And in fact, the first time that my husband came to our Thanksgiving dinner, he asked me why everyone was so mad at each other. He goes, why yeah. are they all so mad? Why are they yelling at each other? And, you know, I looked at him and I was like totally perplexed, Chris. I was like, no one's mad. Mm-hmm. We just like to talk and be loud and give our opinions. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we all love each other and nobody really walks away in our family feeling bad at each other. It's really amazing that mm-hmm. we could do that. But for the avoider, it was so uncomfortable. So we had differences in our style, and we had to work through those differences. I had to learn to be more calm and careful with my words, give him time to process. And he had to be willing to address issues and work through that discomfort of not doing this growing up. So now we've got, I would say, would you shake your head in the control room, Norm, that we have a more rational negotiating style that we both have worked on? (laughs) He's giving me a hard time, but he's saying yes. So it's possible to change your style. Mm -hmm. Let me give you this one. My family is fairly quiet. Yeah. They don't avoid conflict. They'll discuss it and talk about it. Sharon's family are just loud. Everyone talks at the same time, but they avoid conflict at all costs. So how does that work? So it's a mismatch of style. So you you just got to figure out in your relationship what would be healthy. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to that in the third segment. I got it. Um, So that's my my therapy session is in the third third segment. Yes, in the third segment. Stay stay tuned. (laughs) (laughs) So to recap, first, we work on staying calm during the conflict. Then we need to know our style that we learned growing up. Mm -hmm. So how do we solve these problems? So would it surprise you if I told you that most conflict in a marriage doesn't get solved? Most of it doesn't. No. In hmm. fact, Gottman found that about 69% of conflict stays unresolved. Wow. Wow. I know. And I, I believe that. You know, my parents were married 67 years, and I could tell you exactly what they disagreed on for mm-hmm. 67 years. I wasn't around for 67 years, but they did so in a way that kept them together. Okay. That's big. We need, uh, we need to know how to do this. Okay. So one of the most important things is that when you're in the middle of a conflict, you don't turn away from the person. Mm-hmm. You don't turn to a friend, to a coworker, to a relative. That's dangerous because of the emotional closeness that develops when you go to someone else other than your spouse during a conflict. The work needs to be done with each other. And sometimes you might need the help of a, a therapist. So in this process of turning toward each other, uh, what else is important? You need to get behind the conflict to see what the need really is. What is it that your partner really wants? A lot of times, whatever you're fighting about is really not the issue. So the person usually wants to be listened to. Sometimes they just need to be validated. Mm -hmm. They need to be reassured. 
ask yourself, what is the need that is being expressed in this difference that we're having? And if arguments heat up, again, remain respectful, kind, because we can't take back hurtful words once we say them. So think before you speak, speak the truth in love, not to hurt the other person because you have been hurt. You need to maintain self-control. And that goes back to calming yourself again. Right. The more you feel angry, remember venting actually increases anger. So you don't want to vent. Next time you're arguing and you're fighting, instead of increasing your anger by just letting it all out and venting, remember you can't think straight when that's happening and the goal is to calm yourself down, not escalate your anger. Well, wow, this has been a jam-packed session. We have a lot to think about when it comes to uh, dealing with conflict. When we come back, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? And what is a biblical style of conflict? Conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. How you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships. Do you avoid? Maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did. Getting control of our emotions is not always easy, but it is possible. Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book, We Need to Talk, in order to help all of us deal better with conflict. We Need to Talk, available at bookstores and online where books are sold. Letting Go of Worry by Dr. Linda Mintel, available on her website at drlindamintel.com and online. We are back on the Dr. Linda Mental Show talking about conflict from Dr. Linda's book, We Need to Talk. And Dr. Linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website or online. And as she reminded us, there's a short quiz on her website to assess your conflict style. And uh, you and your spouse could take the quiz and see if your conflict styles match. You can find it at drlindamental.com. And don't forget about the podcast on iTunes. Send the link to someone who may need help managing conflict. Dr. Linda... As we look at conflict through a spiritual lens, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? People in the church often confuse, I think, avoidance with Mm -hmm. uh, the idea that they're somehow being a peacemaker. Have you found that to be true in the church? Well, I've heard people say, you know, just leave it alone. Don't don't offend anyone. Right, which means I'm going to avoid the issue. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So that was true of my mother-in-law early on in our marriage. I'll tell you a little story about that. My husband and I were disagreeing again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we, we really we, we really do not have a high conflictual relationship, but we were disagreeing about something, but we had done better with our conflict skills. I would say we had really improved, wouldn't you, Norm? He's shaking his head. So here's the thing. I wasn't loud or intense, and my husband was staying in it, trying to resolve the issue. So remember I said we had kind of worked on our styles, mm-hmm. and we were trying to come to the middle here. But the tension, you could feel it at that moment. Um, my mother-in-law was so nervous about the tension that she felt, even though we were handling it, I thought really well, mm-hmm. she physically put her body between us. And then she quoted Matthew 5, 9, which says, blessed are the peacemakers, <laughs> for they shall be called the children of God. And we were making peace. I yeah. mean, we were resolving the issue, but the tension was almost too much for her because she grew up in a family where you did not discuss issues. And when you did, it was scary and there was abuse in in her background. So yes, be a peacemaker, 
But that doesn't mean that you don't address the issues that are going on and you don't put your head in the sand and start avoiding things. So if you guys were in the middle of a conflict, why was your mother-in-law there? Were you just at breakfast one morning at the house just arguing about stuff? Or? No, I think what happened is we were, we, it was actually during the Christmas season and we mm-hmm. had to go to two different parties for our jobs and they were both on the same night. Ah, okay. I think we were just before dinner. We were just right. in our condo at the time or townhouse, I think it was, we were living in. And we were just having this conversation and it got a little bit heated and we, mm-hmm. were, we were just going back and forth. But she was so uncomfortable with that. And this is the point I want to make, Chris, because she did not grow up with healthy models of conflict. Right. And in some ways, and I love my mother-in-law dearly. Uh, She's no longer with us. But I think that was her way of avoiding Mm -hmm. uh, feeling uncomfortable because to her credit, when she was growing up, she saw a lot of screaming and abusive type of behavior Mm -hmm. and it was very difficult for her. Well, speaking of Matthew 18, it actually tells us to go to the person when we have conflict. And that's hard. That takes some courage. Yeah. And it means you have to make the first move sometimes, even if you don't feel like you were the person who, you know, created the conflict. It's uncomfortable. But look, we're grownups. And I I use this line in one of my books. I said, only kids fight about who goes first. Right? (laughs) Right. Grownups should just go do it. Don't avoid it. Don't minimize the issue and hope it'll go away. Just healthy people address problems. Okay. So we're in the same room together. Then what? Speak the truth in love. Again, remember, in love, so the way you do it is important. Proverbs 15.1 reminds us that a gentle word, a gentle word, listen, I'm saying it again, gentle word, gentle word yeah. <laughs> turns away wrath, and a harsh word stirs up anger. So you have to be gentle in your approach. This is the part of the program brought to you by Henry Cloud. Uh, <laughs> how important are boundaries? I know you're done with that. <laughs> you know, they're just massively important that you have to be able to hold a boundary in a respectful way, even though it's uncomfortable sometimes in the middle of conflict. And again, that takes courage and assertiveness to set those boundaries when you need to. That's true. And then there is often forgiveness that needs to happen. We can harbor unforgiveness towards others in the middle of conflict. And, you know, we, need to, we do need to forgive. And forgiveness means we give up the right to be resentful. Now think about that. We give up the right to be resentful. Oh, man. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. People let us down. They treat us poorly. They do things that are not always in our best interest. They're not perfect. So forgiveness is a choice and an individual act that actually frees us from carrying around bitterness and resentment. You know, Chris, Christ forgave us when we didn't deserve it. He asked us to do the same for other people. So forgiveness really jumpstarts the process of reconciliation. Mm, This is the part that really touches your heart. There's always a part in the show somewhere that does that. That tells you that you got to do the right thing. That's right. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So my takeaway from this is that I have to handle conflict in a biblical way and know that not everything will always get resolved. Reconciliation takes two people. And if one person isn't willing, you might just have to accept that the difference is not going to get resolved. And not all conflict gets resolved, and yet people learn to coexist. And sometimes we just have to agree to disagree without being disagreeable. Hmm. Okay. So focus on the positive of your relationships and extend grace. You can only control your part of a conflict, and that is what God will hold us responsible for one day. So respond in love. Be patient, kind, gentle, use self-control, all the fruit of the Spirit, and then agree to disagree so you can live in peace. Next time you hear the words, we need to talk, I want you to embrace those four words. Tell yourself that conflict is normal. Push yourself to address issues. Use a biblical model of engagement. Go to the person, make the first move, deal with the discomfort, 
and stay in the discussion and then try to find solutions, not changing the other person. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes this show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, we'll talk to you next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're here, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.